Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. They have to understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And, and the Bernabeu blinks it back! I haven't, I haven't got a problem with soccer, to be fair. Good ball. Oh, what a start! All what I can guarantee to you is that they want to keep everything secret. Hello everybody, welcome YouTube family. Remember to like and subscribe. It's House of Champions and we're trying to fill the World Cup shaped hole in our lives. I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by Nigel Riokoka and Mike Lahoud to give you a catch up of what is going on. The latest from the European footballing world. Nigel, how are you doing my friend? I'm great, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, not too, not too bad. Obviously, uh, just getting over the the World Cup being finished, taking a bit of time to to take a breather. Mike, how are you doing? I'm still in my feels about this recent World Cup. Still trying to process, but that's why they have whiskey and House of Champions. So delighted to be here. Well, I think Nigel would uh, would beg to differ on the whiskey. It's more of a more of a cognac uh, uh, yes, theme yes. Uh, when we get together. But uh, JJ, no, we're gonna, come we're on, gonna... mate. this is this is just sophistication <laughs> levels. There's levels uh, okay. of sophistication. You know, some of us are into cognac. Some people still drinking whiskey. It's all right. It's Texas, man. I'm in Texas. You can't well, so you're not drinking whiskey. As, drinking... as long as we're not going off into a tangent about Hennessy or something like that, then uh, <laughs> no, he's drinking bourbon, right. we'll, st- we'll steer clear of it. But anyway, guys, uh, anyone tuning in, we want to, to hear your comments. We're going to sink our teeth into some of the most pertinent news uh, bits that have uh, cropped up over the last 24 hours now. Something I want to start with, Ivan Tony charged over betting breaches, 232 breaches between 2017 and 2021. Now, it's said in addition to the previous charge, it's alleged that the Brentford forward breached FA rule E8 a further 30 times between March the 14th, 2017 and February the 18th, 2019. Now, obviously, having two ex-professionals in the house, I'm very keen to get both of your thoughts. Nigel, I'm going to come to you first, obviously, with a, with a Premier League history. I mean, first of all, does this surprise you? I mean, we, we can talk about the nature of what it is and whether that's surprising. And then we can talk about Ivan Tony, obviously, you know, somebody whose stock has been rising uh, of late uh, and whether that is surprising as well. But also, is this is this something that would maybe shake your confidence in your in your teammates if you knew that they had done this this many times? It's an interesting one, JJ, because I think for me, it depends on what he was doing. Because obviously, uh, when we were playing, our generation was the fact of that was when the FA were being very hard on the whole betting situation. You know, they they had meetings at every club, Premier League club, talking about um, spread betting and betting that you were not allowed to bet anymore on games. Anyone who got caught, obviously, is going to be in big trouble, fines and suspensions, X, Y and Z. You just couldn't bet on any Premier League game, I believe any football league game in England. And it was because, obviously, they knew that there was a generation coming through where they were friends. And you'd have friends in different dressing rooms or different teams that you'd be cool with. 
And then remember, footballers and playing in that environment, you're still in a work environment. Some of these players might not like their manager. They might have issues with their manager. And then if you're having a conversation with your, your friend's team that you're playing on a Saturday, you could give inside information on who the starting lineup was and everything like that. And I think that's why we found as well in that time, some managers will come in and not name the team. So players wouldn't know the, the team until Saturday, because obviously when they used to do the team beforehand, they'll find out somehow, some way, your opponents knew what the starting lineup would be and they can actually tactically be set. It's it's it honestly depends on what he was doing. I think for me, he's stupid for doing it in the first place because you get told about that and you get warned about that once you get into the Premier League. And he should have known about that from a long time because it's been really stamped out. It just depends on what kind of betting he was doing, whether he was betting in his own Brentford team or whether it was other teams and other things that he was doing. I think for me, being honest, if a teammate did that, it wouldn't bother me if that made sense, if I'm honest, because I feel for us, it's still us as professionals. We grew up in a different generation. It's to go and win. We had our own personal pride in playing well and representing the team well. So I can't sit here and say, oh, I'll be disgusted or disgruntled as a, an, a, a, a teammate of mine did it. Because again, it depends on what kind of bets he was doing. But even if he was betting on our own team, it wouldn't really bother me because I look at it as he's got to take responsibilities for that. He has to face the repercussions that come his way. And he has to deal with that. And the FA have to deal with that how they see fit to just make sure it doesn't go on. But gambling as a whole goes on in football clubs. And most of the gambling that I saw was card games in the back of the bus when we were traveling. And it was mainly players playing blackjack, playing poker and gambling money. That's all I generally saw. I think a lot of our generations generally never betted on games at the Premier League level. But I did know, and I think you're aware of it as well, JJ, some stories came back years ago with a lot of players getting caught up in spread betting. And spread betting for people would be the number of throw-ins, the number of corners, first person to get a yellow card, first person to get a red card. Um, all these type of things did start to happen when we were young coming through. So I think the FA caught up on that. And then there's obviously players who got caught up from that years after their playing career and got obviously fined by the FA and, and, and got into a bit of trouble because it did go on. But it was mainly, I would say, the lower league clubs that a lot of that stuff happened in. Because obviously the wages that Premier League players were getting, it wasn't really worth getting involved into that. And a lot of players did get caught and you can look back, look back up in, in history that that did happen. Um, very disappointing. And I think adding to this, JJ and Mike, I feel that this might have played a part in him not being selected for the World Cup squad. Because imagine if he was selected for England's World Cup squad and this story breaks out while he's at the World Cup. That will be an absolute PR disaster for England to handle while you're at a World Cup. A player is breaking and breaching gambling and betting rules, which could stain the nation. And um, it's going to be interesting to see now with the amount of counts. What were the counts again, JJ? The amount of counts that he's been fined oh, by? It's north of almost 260. It's two, 232. Wow. Yeah. Well, well let's you, just remember this. That, that's the two, 232 breaches between yeah. 2017 and 2021. So that's roughly a four-year period. Yeah. Okay. Well, so I just want to say this, Mike. Yeah. What's his suspension or punishment going to be? If you look at Kieran Chippier and yeah. what happened with him for the little things he did, he got 10 games. 
Uh, I, I disagree with you in terms of how I'd view him. I'd be sorely disappointed if I was a teammate of his at Brentford. Look at the stats. Look at what this guy means to his club. He's got 10 Premier League goals. What is that, for thir- third in the league? That means he is scoring more than a <laughs> the fair share of what Brentford is doing in the Premier League. You now know that bar none or at the least, he's going to get a massive ban. It's not the first time we've seen something massive like this happen in the Premier League, and and maybe not to this breath, but Joey Barton, I think of even before that, with Burnley, what he bet over 1,200 games on Premier League football and got a 13-month ban. If you're Brentford, I would cut ties with this player because not only is he a player on your team, he is a captain. He's a Premier League player. We don't know what his personal life is, but that is a selfish move. It's a very selfish move when you're a captain and you're a Premier League player because you make a ton of money. You already make a ton of money. So you're saying, you know what? I'm going to put the team, knowing that if I get caught, I'm going to put the risk of the team and the penalties and the punishment that could come my way, knowing that it could impact the team. I'm going to put that ahead of what is right and what needs to be done, which is stay the hell away from betting. I think this is a player. It's so, so unfortunate, and I'm disappointed for him not just in him, but for him, because he is now blowing a massive opportunity. This is a guy who, because of how he's played and performed, remind you of his last game in Premier League football. He scored two goals in a 2-1 win away at the Etihad against Manchester City. Last time I checked, it's Manchester City, that Manchester City, who's really freaking good. And now he's put his football career in crisis and in a big hole because of this. Mike, you don't think that's a bit harsh? Like you'd cut ties yeah. with him, I think. I think I would that, cut ties with him. But, but he's, again, he's your, but he's your captain. But do you not think, I, I think it's a bigger a deal? Because okay, what do you think we're jumping a gun? Now, if you're his teammate, and then you once obviously more information comes out, and you find out that he's been betting about other teams and not betting about Brentford in particular, do you not think then cutting ties with him is harsh? And let's be real about it. I think I, Brentford will not cut ties with him because at the end of the mm. day, he's proven he can score goals in the Premier League. The only thing oh, hold, hold, on, hold, on, is... hold on a second, though. Let, let, me, let me butt in. I mean, mm. it's... I mean, yes, we can debate whether it's related directly to Brentford or not, but surely betting to that level, that many yeah. counts of it, surely yeah. that must be a concern, whether it's whether you're his teammates at club level, international level, uh, you know, or if you're just looking at somebody as a, as a fellow player, surely that is a, is a concern. I mean, how difficult is it going to be for him to stamp that kind of habit, uh, you know, out well, of his everyday life? Well, well that's, that's a, a good that's point, the, JJ. You said the right thing, JJ, because I think for me, we've got to look at it as a fact of he has a problem. Because if you're betting yeah. that amount, he has a problem. And I think that's what the club needs to look at more, that he's got a gambling addiction problem. And they need well, that, to try and help you, him with that. You can help him separately by cutting ties with him and severing that because now you're taking – now it becomes a distraction. This is a Brentford team that is in 10th place in the English Premier League. They're not guaranteed survival. And when you remove a player who has scored 10 goals in 14 Premier League games and you still have an entire season to play – that becomes a massive issue because where are the goals going to come from now? You still, it's a business first. It's a footballing yeah. business first. I would get rid of him and then address the issue separately on his behalf. I don't think you get rid of him, Mike. Scoring oh, goals man. in the Premier League is very it's hard. Gonna be, and, it's going to be a you, PR, but look at the PR won. disaster that comes with that. If, if, he, you're if he gets, now. listen, let's be real. It's not the first time. I think the biggest thing with this is it's the amount of times that makes this absolutely. A, a PR disaster because of the amount of cases against him. But like you said, Joey Barr and other players have been caught. But I think when you said it as well, you said it yourself, it's a business first. Brentford will not cut ties with him just because it's mm. so hard to score goals 
in the Premier League. And I think, like you said, he has a, an addiction. And there's many addictions that comes with footballers. Trust me. See, in that dressing room, there's many addictions. Gambling is one of the big ones. Alcohol, alcoholism is another one. And I just think that the business side of things, Brentford will not let him go because another team will pick him up. It's a stain to him if he serves his punishment, wherever that punishment may be, because that punishment might be a season's ban or maybe even two seasons ban. Then you, that's so going to be a difficult thing. Question, question for you. You would keep him if it was two seasons or a season ban, knowing that you could get relegated or worse? I think you that, you, I mean, at the end of the day, you got to look at the human element of it. Like, this is an addiction. This is a problem. Throwing him to the side is not going to help anything. It doesn't make Brentford look good because, like I said, it's not the first case. They know that players have done this before. If he is, um, if he's actually very sorry about his actions and takes accountability, and then obviously if they provide him with help, because it, 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 for me, it sounds like it's an addiction, then you can go from there. I think the one thing that's going to happen is, He's definitely stained himself as a player and he's stained his career. The only way he can get on with that now is showing change by doing the best he can be, maybe signing up to some programs to help himself get out of that and scoring goals. Man, I've got so many questions coming from this. So, such great insight to have two former professionals, you know, chatting about such a, a delicate topic. Don't say that we don't bring you the best here at House of Champions. And I think most prominent in my mind in terms of questions is, you know, just how much was at stake in the uh, in the free parking in the Monopoly in the back of the bus, Nigel Rio Coco, back in your Premier League days. <laughs> Listen, no, I'm kidding. I'm I'll, kidding I'll, about I'll, that. I'll tell you, no, because we want to talk about everything. I will tell you. Um, Listen. Well, when we was at West Ham, let's just say there were some big card games going on. Like gambling was a serious problem for players. And it wasn't so much, again, like I said, that in our generation, they were gambling on games. They were gambling poker and stuff like that. And Monday morning, I'd see certain players come in with brown paper bag full of money because they mm -hmm. were, get it. And then th th there's stories of players being in so much debt that they had to move. They had to move and clubs had to pay them up front, signing bonuses to clear serious gambling debts. So th there is an addiction element to it. And I think that when I look at it, that's why I'm, I'm being a bit more sympathetic to it because when you're doing it that many times, you have an addiction. You might not know you have an addiction, but you have an addiction. But it's again, it's the fact of, does he have people around him that's helping him to say, look, you need to stop doing this. Does he know the resources that are provided for him now? And I just think that throwing him to the side is not going to be beneficial for anyone. I think uh, I've got, well, I've got two questions that I want to ask. So I'm going to ask one to Mike first, and then I want mm. Nigel to, to answer afterwards. So Mike, from you, I'd, I'd quite like to know if gambling, betting sort of within teams is maybe as rife uh, over in the States, um, you know, as it is in, yeah. in the UK. And then from Nigel, if whether this is a, a case of sort of the hens coming home to roost, you know, English football has had many links for a long time with the gambling companies. So is it a bit rich for them to crack down on players, uh, you know, getting involved in betting in games? So Mike first about the the American side of things. Nigel, you can chime in on that as well, because obviously you've you've sampled the best of both worlds, if we can say that. And uh, and then, yeah, Nigel, if you if you want to touch on the, the gambling companies and those links, because unfortunately we can't spend the entire episode chatting about this but it is such a yeah. rich topic of conversation uh gambling and betting is something that it's almost like a flash pan thing with soccer here in the states and you don't hear much about it with the u.s men's national team i think anything that's happened that way is kept very strictly closed doors and within major league soccer i think a year ago there was an incident or maybe two years ago 
either one of those, there was an incident with a player in the league that he got sent to get the help he needed and the team suspended him for a long time. And there was a lot of debate about whether he was going to come back in or not. But MLS and U.S. soccer as a whole has a very strict gambling policy. And I think it's down to what's happening from a political standpoint. There's states, I mean, here in the state of Texas, gambling is not legal. And not gambling is not legal throughout the entire country. So I think that creates a bit of a hindrance. You've seen gambling issues happen in other sports in America, like NFL, NBA, MLB, but not so much in soccer. And I think it's down to the strict policies that have been enacted since day one. I think for me, JJ, you know it as well. Gambling has always been a part of football from years and years ago. And you look at the the, the sports betting, because obviously it's legal in England, um, you see adverts on TV with some of the, the main broadcasters who broadcast the Premier League. Every advert break is by a gambling company. And it's ex-professionals also now being part of it. A-list actors are being part of it. So that's always been a part of it. And then it started creeping into shirt sponsorships. So it is a double standard that all of a sudden the Premier League want players not to gamble, but yet they're advertising for these big gambling companies. It makes no sense. But I know in recent years... Now that they've started to take that back, they're starting to stop advertising gambling firms on shirts. Uh, so it's okay for players to play the game and not gamble, but it's okay for your average Joe to gamble away their money and get themselves into addiction and debt. But the players who are playing the game can't gamble. So it, it, it's a bit of a double standard, the reality of it. And I think that what they want to do is protect the integrity of the game. Because like you know, of football, there's a lot of people and interconnections in football. Football seems big, but generally it's a small bubble. And there's a lot of things, like I've always said, that these players have to deal with. And growing up, gambling was everywhere. And we've got to also put the reality of it. In England, Michael, there's a class, class system is the best way to put it. Yeah. Most of the footballers that make it don't make it from the upper class or, or working class. It's, it's lower class. So they grew up in areas where there's a sports betting shop around every corner where they grew up in. Inner city kids they see gambling. Gambling is a normal part of the culture and life for where they grow up. So if they're not educated well enough, if they don't have the right people around them, it's easy for them to fall into these traps, especially from where they come from, the backgrounds they come from, and you're earning these large sums of money. Now, for me, I grew up in that kind of difficult background, but I've never been into gambling because that's just been me. Like, I don't really go to the casino that much. Like, I just don't get any joy of it. My joy is spending my money in different ways. But I understand when some of these players end up in these situations and scenarios because they're a product of their environment. They come to making huge sums of money and it's just something that they've seen and grown up with. So it makes it very difficult. But there is a big double standard when it comes to that. And I think for me, the, the FA and the Football Association need to do a lot more to, to protect and educate these players do more to stop them getting into that habit and also is to protect the integrity of the game. And I think that's why we love football because anything is possible. Yeah, it's interesting as well, the timing of this uh, coming out because there has actually been uh, a fairly well-publicized case in France the last couple of days. Well, actually a yeah. couple of well-publicized cases where you've got some players 
some in the lower leagues, but some also playing in Ligue 1 at the moment who, who have been found guilty of certain aspects of, uh, of, of, of betting within their profession. And they've been hit with some uh, match suspension. So we'll touch on that uh, another time. But, uh, you know, the, the World Cup finished over the weekend and suddenly we're back into domestic action already. You've got cup games going on. We're going to take a quick look at the Manchester City against Liverpool EFL Cup clash. Nigel, what are you expecting from this one? I have no idea. Anyone who says they have an idea, JJ, is going to absolutely lie to you because this is absolutely bonkers. We just finished the World Cup. In a normal World Cup, we'd still be talking about Argentina, how great the World Cup is. We'll be reanalyzing the whole event and everything. And then people will be in pre-season. You'll have at least another two to three weeks. Yeah, but there's, there's, Ch- there's Charlton Brighton to be watching on oh, your Wednesday listen, night. And don't forget about no United one has the any- big one. No one has any idea what to expect. And especially when you're talking about Man City, Liverpool, like that is a classic now, a modern day classic game in England because of the competitiveness and the success of both clubs respectively. I have no idea what to expect. I I really don't. I think I'm just going to shut up and watch the game. (laughs) The one thing is this though, JJ, how long has it been since we mentioned that name? Halland. How weird does that feel? (laughs) We have yeah, yeah, you're right. You're, you're 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 right. It does. But uh, Mike, for you, is yeah. this uh, is is this as weird as it is for for Nigel, or have you been licking yeah. your chops at this one? Obviously, the USMNT went a bit home a bit earlier than England, but we were all yeah. on World Cup duty right up until the end. So it feels like this. Kind of, <laughs> look at him. Feels like there's been no 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 kind of let up. I mean, I'm still a little sore about the fact it could have been Villa. Uh, up against Burnley uh, in the EFL Cup had we not lost just before the World Cup break. But anyway, what are, what are you expecting from uh, this one? And have you been surprised by the level that you've seen so far in the in the EFL Cup? Because we do have a few yeah. results from earlier in the week. You've got the likes of Leicester going through, Newcastle United as well, Southampton, Wolves. Uh, but not exactly like they were involved with all due respect against uh, you know the strongest opposition. So to have some of these games suddenly United, Burnley, or particularly uh, a Liverpool City, uh, you know that is uh, you know a notch or two above some of those matches. Uh, what I'm excited for, and Nigel, you said anything said about this is a lie. So I'm going to lie to you because I'm going to give you my opinion on this. <laughs> Alan, I'm excited. <laughs> that, that's a truth, not a lie. Um, but what I think of when I look at these games, it, it's it's almost recalibrating all our brains to get back into club football because there's still so much to process. And we're going to get into part of that processing system with Argentina and what happened at the World Cup after the break. But there's still so much to process at what we witnessed in Qatar for a month's time. Now that we shift to club football, I'm intrigued to see the fitness levels of these world superstars. Mind you, these are players that played a football season last May and didn't really get a break. They went to the Nations League and did continental competition to start prepping for the FIFA World Cup and then started a football season. Then they went to the World Cup. When I look at Manchester City and Liverpool in particular, I look at what's the fitness level of these World Cup players because and who's going to be available First city, you have the likes of Ilkay Gundogan, Germany not getting out of the group. I expect him to play some role, whether it's a start or not start. That's up to Pep Guardiola. Kevin De Bruyne and Erling Haaland, no matter who's available or not, they will be the protagonists for this game. If you're a City fan, antagonist. If you are a Liverpool fan, last friendly. And City haven't played that many friendlies compared to Liverpool. I, I think that could be a difference maker in this in terms of freshness, in terms of uh, chemistry that's built between these players getting ready for a big match. But in that friendly against Girona, Kevin De Bruyne, Erling Haaland on the score sheet. I expect that chemistry and that combination 
to be a part of a goal if City are going to win. And for Liverpool, it's going to come down to the play of Bobby Firmino. Him not being a part of the World Cup will be Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool's saving grace in this matchup, in this EFL, EFL Cup well, tie. What about Salah, mate? You forgot Salah, Giza. What's going on? Ah, uh, man, you know, I told you I'm going to lie to you, so I'm not mentioning Salah. See? <laughs> Listen, JJ, all I've said is this. In the next couple of weeks, we're probably going to see a lot more injuries with players because it is absolutely phenomenal to ask players to play in the World Cup and most of the top stars who stayed the long course of it played in every game. And then now you're going into, as we know, the winter period, the most busiest period in Premier League football and some of the other leagues as well. We're going to start seeing a lot more injuries take place. And I just feel that, again, to really get a real reality of where these clubs are, it's going to take three or four games. And some of these clubs don't have three or four games because you have to compete right from the block. And now I know that we're not talking about them, but you look at Arsenal. They've lost Gabriel Jesus, who was one of their main catalysts for this season so far. How are they going to cope? Are they going to be able to get a replacement in? And again, they don't have no time to build themselves, to get fit again or to, to play themselves into it because it's just going to be so competitive. So I think it's going to be absolutely bonkers. Good points, good points. Not often we say that when Nigel opens his mouth, but here we are. <laughs> anyway, guys, we're going to go through a break quickly and we will be back immediately afterwards to dig through a bit more of the rubble after the World Cup uh, celebrations that uh, Argentina dramatically had to be airlifted from. Don't stop watching the world's best soccer. Stream every match of the UEFA Champions League live on Paramount Plus. It's soccer's ultimate annual competition, not for country, but for clubs. So sign up today for 50% off an entire year using the code all year at paramountplus.com slash sports. Welcome back to House of Champions, everybody. Delighted to say that I'm joined by Nigel Riokoka and Mike Lahoud. And we're now going to get into it. The, the scenes uh, of the last couple of days since Argentina won the World Cup, since France returned home uh, with their tail between their legs. Now, Nigel, as a former Villa player, I'm going to come to you about this straight off the bat. Emi Martinez and Mbappe, <laughs> this this is starting to veer into like weird territory now, right? It's it, it's just really strange. Like, I mean, you, you saw Martinez going up and, and consoling Mbappe as soon as, you know, Argentina had beaten France uh, in the penalty shootout. But then you've got him doing what he did in the dressing room, going and doing this. It's just, I mean, everybody knows... Emmy Martinez is, you know, he, he's a bit of a wild one. But, you know, is this, is he overstepping the mark a little bit with this sort of obsessional behavior with Mbappe or is it fair game? I, I, I like it because he's showing character and personality. And I've been one person that's always been about players wanting to show more character, more personality, because that's the kind of generation I grew up in. And I, and I like it. I just don't get it because <laughs> to do that to Mbappe, he still scored a hat trick past you. And a penalty. So I don't understand how you can be saying he's a baby. When you look at that World Cup again, he still scored four goals, but which is a phenomenal, phenomenal thing to do. You know, you look at Harry Kane's situation, but Mbappe scored four past you. So I don't understand how you can do that about Mbappe. And they came so close to losing it. So I think he could have celebrated. I still don't personally understand the Mbappe part of it. For me, it really makes no sense to me. Because Mbappe cool. can say I still scored four goals well, past you. I'll, I'll tell you exactly where it's coming from. It's twofold. It's one, Mbappe's pre-match press conference and where he took a, sh a shot at South American football and really world football, talking about the elitism of European football, how your, Europe is so far ahead because the players play against each other almost week in and week out and through the Champions League and whatnot in South America and the rest of the world, there's a deficiency there. So there's a bit of pride 
that's becoming this weird, awkward thing with Martinez where I get it. You need someone to hate. You need locker room banter. You need almost bulletin board material. You got that. Mbappe gave you that ahead of the World Cup. Now it's time to let it go, man. But hey, Emmy Martinez, you got the Golden Glove Award. You're a little bit weird with how you celebrate it. That's on your prerogative. But you got the Golden Glove Award, got tournament team. You're enjoying your best life. Hey, as, as long as he's not doing this in two weeks' time, a month's time, or when Villa ever play United again, I'm okay with it. Let the man breathe, but hopefully he's uh, off the kill mace beer, which is Argentinian beer, for those of you who don't know. You know what, Vic's time. right there for me. I think for me what that does show is a lack, a lack of class because you can have a, 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 a character, you can have a personality. Yes, it's a lack of class because, again, Mbappe scored four goals past him. And I think for me, though, Mike, when you look back at this World Cup, think about things that were said. Argentina played on the fact of, and all of the, 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 the wording and the narrative that was coming from that Argentinian dress room was us against the world, us against yeah. the world. They went into a siege mentality, and I feel that's what took them to win the World Cup. So they created this mentality of no one likes us, no one respects us, everyone thinks we're, we're, we're not good enough, and they created that mentality in the dressing room, and that's what took them all the way through. And if you look at the previous two World Cups that Argentina won, it was the same thing. And the head of that kind of mentality, again, was Diego Maradona. Created that mentality. No one likes us. No one respects us. So that's what carried them to win the World Cup. And I think that Vic's comment is right. It just shows a lack of class. I personally don't get it. You've just won the World Cup. Enjoy your moment. Celebrate it. And there's obviously the talk about his gesture with the, the Golden Glove as well. Um, he, he is a big personality. And I think that I probably wouldn't have mind being in the dressing room with him, but I wasn't someone who was going to back down and I would have probably knocked him down a peg or two as well. And if it had to get a bit physical, it probably could have got physical, but I was fine with that. So NRC versus Emmy Martinez coming I've to pay per view near you. I've, Where do we I've get to? I've dealt this? with a lot worse. I've dealt with a lot worse, a lot bigger personality than Martinez in a dressing room. <laughs> well, I think so, something about it. And, by, and guys, by the way, keep the comments coming in. There's some uh, fantastic chat that's been coming in, whether it's been about the the betting, the gambling in football, uh, and uh, Emmy Martinez's uh, shithousery, which I think we can say now, seeing as it's entered into <laughs> yeah, the footballing yeah. lexicon uh, around the world. But uh, no, like sticking on this, I mean, I think one of the most interesting aspects of this kind of obsessional behavior from uh, Emmy Martinez towards Mbappe is the way that sort of Lionel Messi is there like awkwardly at the side like you know I want to I want to celebrate this World Cup success right now like I want to avoid getting electrocuted I don't want to have to keep getting airlifted out of public places and I don't want to have uh, Emmy next to me like uh, you know keep going off on one about uh, Mbappe while people are like lighting these uh these 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 make-believe coffins uh, of Mbappe uh, about it. But it's, it is going to be an interesting, um, you know, reunion between Mbappe, Messi, Neymar. It's made especially more interesting given the fact that Mbappe and Hakimi today, so on Wednesday, have already mm. returned to training, which, I mean, in, in many ways is, is impressive. I think taking Nigel's point from earlier, it's also maybe a little bit worrying in terms of sort of the physical aspect. But I mean, I'm going to come to you first, Mike. You know, what does this say about Mbappe and Hakimi? Does this turn up the pressure on the the likes of Neymar and Marquinhos to get back into training even more quickly? Because, uh, you know, surely this is a way of Mbappe saying like, right, well, I might not have won the World Cup, but I definitely now want to go and win the Champions League and achieve something this season that keeps, you know, people talking about me in the most positive way possible. 
I think there's a, a political game going on in the PSG locker room. It makes me wonder, I should say, I shouldn't think. It makes me wonder if there is a political game going on and a power struggle between the likes of an Mbappe, Messi, and Neymar. It's already been publicized a bit of the, the strife between the likes of Mbappe and Neymar. But if you're Mbappe, this is the best thing you can do is you're one of the leaders of this team. You're one of the faces of this team. And now you're creating a standard. Now you're creating a standard that says, hey, Neymar, there's now pressure on you. What's your move going to be? Messi, obviously winning. He's going to have more rope to come back. I'd be shocked if Messi comes back before the Champions League. By, by, by the way, just to add in that there is a match on the 28th. There's a match on the 1st. Uh, mm-hmm. And the latest reports in France say that Neymar won't be back in time for the first match on the 28th. Uh, we'll, we'll wait and see what happens regarding Marquinhos. But there's no expectation at PSG at this moment in time allegedly, according to those reports, uh, that Neymar will be back uh, in time to feature in the first, at least the first of those two games. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I think with PSG right now, there's there's a bit of a a locker room shift. There's a bit of a culture shift. And I think we've seen the dividends paid in that and how they've started the season. Now the move is on the rest of the players and it puts pressure on them to see, do you want to continue to be part of the project? The the old stance of showing up whenever you want, going on holiday, taking ex- extended time off, maybe that's changing. And hey, if it's going to change, Mbappe and Hakimi, players who are standouts at the World Cup, it's going to change through them. I think for me, JJ, I look at uh, Mbappe and I think for me, Mbappe, he's done himself very well. I think he's, uh, his image, the way he's conducted himself, it's actually benefited him and, and made him become probably more likable, in my opinion. The way he handled himself, he had a fantastic World Cup. Let's not take that away from him. He had an absolute fantastic World Cup. You look at his achievements already and he's only 24. And you can see he's got a lot more World Cups in him. And um I just think that still Messi is the top. Everyone wanted Messi to win. Messi's finally won the World Cup. And now there's the debate whether he is the greatest of all time or not. I think still that conversation is still subjective. Um, But Neymar for me is the one that's worrying me. I think with everything that's gone on and even with the injury and they're not expecting him back, why is he not back at Paris Saint-Germain getting treatment or rehab? Why is he not there? That's the problem. But I can see this whole Neymar, Mbappe and Messi thing falling apart now. I think by the end of this season, something's going to happen. One of them is going to go. As much as Paris Saint-Germain would love to keep Lionel Messi again and keep Mbappe, one of them has to go. I can't see that lasting again into next season. Um, It's going to be interesting, but the way Mbappe has conducted himself and the World Cup he had, I think he's done nothing wrong, but only enhance himself, his reputation, and not just being on the pitch, but off the pitch. But I feel that he's made a real big statement now to say he is the next face of world football. Whether he will win a Champions League in Paris Saint-Germain still yet to be seen. I doubt it, in my opinion. And I feel it will be inevitably that he will have to move to one of the big clubs. Not saying Paris Saint-Germain is not big, but as JJ likes to point out, (laughs) even Aston Villa has won the Champions League while Paris Saint-Germain hasn't. It's the truth. Um, It it really is going to be interesting, but Like I said, I think, guys, we're going to have to wait for a couple of games in to see where all these teams are at because it's just going to come so thick and fast. So much is going to happen from now till then. Players are going to get into training, get injured, as we saw before the World Cup. It really is going to be interesting. And obviously, Messi, I'm sure, will come back more so for the Champions League games than anything else is when they'll probably want him because I think that's going to be Paris Saint-Germain's top priority now, really is the Champions League, you know. And as Oscar made a comment, 
Is it Oscar? Yes, Oscar. Yes. Napoli are going to benefit, mate. I want Napoli to win this year's Champions League, Oscar. <laughs> I want Napoli to win it. Oh, you know, Nigel, you've been, the sub- you've been the year. subjects of a couple of interesting comments today. Yeah. We've got Andy, Andy SVTA <laughs> saying, Andy I've been eating hot ramen since the group stage, thanks to Nigel. Care to, care to explain <laughs> this? Up up <laughs> no, you, you confused me for Ian. That's who it is, Andy. Yeah. You're listening to yeah. Ian's predictions, not me. <laughs> uh, easily easily done you both talk a load of guff anyway yeah uh you know now let's um you know let's t- let's turn our attention towards uh you know some of those argentina celebrations because i do think mm-hmm. that despite perhaps you know many people are kind of tiring of it because of emmy martinez's antics we can't say that it's not deserved and you know seeing some of the scenes i mean uh, you know just look at this you know that the massive outpouring of uh of, of joy i think i was saying in yesterday's podcast as well there's a great video of somebody I mean, who who would be cycling down the streets of Buenos Aires at the moment that the final penalty was taken? You know, I, I've I've no idea. Uh, you know, you'd have to be pretty dedicated. But it's uh, it was fantastic footage, and then seeing you know this sort of outpouring of joy. Uh, you know, you've got people throwing themselves at the bus as well. It's just it, it's it's absolute madness. The kind of madness that you know you would have expected from uh, you know a football crazy nation. And uh, you know what what do you guys make of it? You know deserved finally for Messi after years of coveting uh you know that world cup that he's finally getting uh you know this moment in the sun moment in the sun literally because he looks a bit red like he's getting a bit sunburned uh <laughs> you got you guys might need to uh to suggest a bit of uh, a bit a bit of suntan lotion for him especially <laughs> you Nige, down on south beach in your fancy hotels <laughs> no well, Mike. i i think this is this is an argentine argentine excuse me country and argentine people who they've been waiting since 1986. That's quite some time. They've been starved of a World Cup. And look at the stars. Look at the talent that's come through their country and how close they've come to international titles before in Copa America. 1990 World Cup almost triumphed in Italy. They've gone through a lot of suffering, and the time is now. And it, it's through their their next world superstar, Lionel Messi. So I'm not surprised by this. And having played with a lot of Argentinian players, just – they the world stops and they stop when Argentina is playing when Messi is playing so it's incredible to see this love affair with Lionel Messi this love story with the Argentinian people and the national team culminate in a celebration like this Emmy Martinez hopefully the video camera will start panning away from him because I think that takes away a bit from the fun and just the the feel good you know moment that it that could be a Hollywood film for this group. Well, you know what? Talking about Hollywood scripts, there's now rumors that Bayern Munich might look at Martinez. Could you imagine that? Emmy Martinez leaving Villa for Bayern Munich, coming up against Mbappe again in the Champions League. We've had a few, a few comments dropping in suggesting that, uh, you know, it might not be that much of a challenge for PSG given some of the injuries that Bayern have suffered. Obviously, Neuer out uh, until the end of the season already. Mane might not be fit in time for that. But as Matt Osmond said there, you can't not be happy for Messi. Thanks to Rafa Cardenas as well for uh, for for his uh, his comment there thoughts and prayers to the next argentina yep. number 10 i mean you know we've we've had all these silly conversations before like when birmingham retired jude bellingham's number and he'd only played a handful of games but i mean i guess because of the history you probably can't suggest that argentina would retire the number 10 shirt once messi stops playing for argentina given the players that have come before but uh, you know is there maybe a 
you know, maybe perhaps a window where they can retire it and have nobody wearing it until maybe like the next World Cup or next Copa no. America or something? Or do you think it's a nonsense? No. Nigel's no. scowling at me like why, I've, uh, I've just offended him. I'm there with you. <laughs> why would you retire it when yeah. you've produced a Maradona, you've yeah. produced a Messi, there's going to be before one soon. That's what it is. They're not going to retire it now. If you didn't retire it from Maradona, you can't retire it from Messi. Like you're going to produce mm. another one. What Michael said is right. Being around Argentinian players, playing with them, they're just programmed different. And like I said, they really built the siege mentality. When you look at that celebration there, football is more than just a sport in Argentina. The country comes to a standstill. The amount of people that turned up, it's this mentality of us against the world. No one likes us. We always have to keep fighting and proving ourselves. That is what got them all the way through to the World Cup with having the talent. But they play the dark arts of the game so well. They can be dirty when they need to be dirty. They can be technically fantastic when they need to be technically fantastic. <laughs> so they have all the attributes. And I think that's what people have to look and admire, that this is what football means. Is it, isn't this going to be West Ham's next managerial team? <laughs> it probably Whoa. will be West Ham's next manager. But before you start you going there, what? JJ... You heard it here first on House I'll start worrying about Martinez having a bit of a tantrum at Villa or maybe having a bit of a stinker and wanting a move because I guarantee you this now. And you know I've mm. got a, a Villa connection, mate. That ego walking into training ground or walking into that door is going to be a problem. It's going to be a well, big problem. They're just going to have to. They're going to have to sit him. They're going to have to sit him down in in the canteen with a bolty pile so. and remind him, <laughs> remind him what it's like to be back home. He's, He's a World Cup winning names. goalkeeper. He has ambition. He has arrogance, and he has a very big head. He's probably going to want to go to a Champions League team. And I guarantee you there'll be interest in the best thing Villa could do. All right. Well, then, uh, you know, come, come, come to the, come to the table, lads, because his value will never be higher. Like if you're, if you're Villa right now, you look at what he's achieved, especially (laughs) with that save from Colomar at the end of the game. You'd sell him. If you're Villa, you would sell him now. Sell him down the road. Sell him down the road to Old Trafford, baby. We're in need for a goalkeeper. We're about to get rid of De Gea. Bring him on. Michael, I'm telling you, there's, from connections there, the ego was already big before the World Cup. Now winning the World Cup and saving those penalties, the ego is going to be tremendously big. All right. Well, that we'll be, be keeping we'll be keep room. we'll be keeping an eye on Emmy Martinez's antics and uh, seeing when he actually does finally return to <laughs> to Villa Park to continue the Unai Emery revolution. Whether or not ah. he does, in fact, move on in the January transfer window, we'll wait and see. But guys, almost time to say goodbye. Final thoughts. Uh, I'm going to come to you first, Nigel. Just. Can't wait for the, well, the game's already here anyway, so let's just get ready for the craziness. Craziness is about to start. And like I said, I think a couple of games in is when you're going to really learn anything. I think now you, with every you're game... Gonna ta- you're going to take in any games when you're back uh, in the UK over Christmas? Yes, I might go and see my old stomping ground play, West Ham. And I'm sure they're probably going to mount to try and get Lionel Scaloni as a manager down the line, somewhere along the line to keep the fans <laughs> happy. But yeah, I'm probably going to catch a West Ham game. I think it's funny enough, it actually might be West Ham-Brentford. Ah. And then uh, do a few other things. I'm going to England, so that would be great. I might bring you a signed shirt if, you, if you're nice to me, mate. Oh, there's no use Ooh. Summit players, Michael. Uh, so you that, can't that, that's, that's, that that sounds like leads. a promise that I need to hold you to. Well, Mike, so, yeah, Mike yeah. Lloyd, how about yourself? Final final thoughts from you? Ah, oh, man, it, it's the hope that kills you. And I, I just hope the hope doesn't kill me today. United, EFL Cup. I can't even look at the camera when I say United's name. I'm, I'm intrigued to see United play post-Cristiano Ronaldo. What is this team going to look like? A lot of World Cup returnees, question marks around who's going to be available, fit, etc. But uh, just can't wait to see English football and world football eventually return. It's time. 
it's a festive period. It's time. Football's back again. Great, All right, guys. We'll let so- Mike go. Quick, sorry, Des, you can wait, mate. Our producer's trying to get rid of us, people. Keep the comments coming in. Don't let Des win. Keep the comments coming in. Mike, question for you. Are you worried about this Jordan Sancho situation? Jaden Sancho. Jaden, Jaden Sancho. I, I, honestly, this is one of those like bugbears. Like it's like when you call me James or when you, when you call him Jordan Sancho. Jordan. I've got a lot going on anyway. Jay, are you worried about that? Because I'm, I'm, I'm not, worried. I'm not worried about it. I think there's there's uh, there's attacking depth at the club. I think the biggest issue that they addressed was Ronaldo. Where this club goes and where this team goes, the next issue is going to be who's going to own the club. After that, I'm not worried about Sancho. I think that'll take care of itself. I think this is why you get depth in attack. So we'll see, though, as always. All right, fantastic stuff. Well, thanks so much for listening to House of Champions today, guys. Please take a minute to leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere that you listen to your podcasts, in fact. And we're also available as videos. So subscribe to us on YouTube if you haven't done so already. Until next time, it's goodbye from us. 